Welcome to Speak. Now, every day is a great day to have LaShawn McCoy on the show, but there is no better day than this. You all have heard the breaking news. Tom Brady, greatest football player of all time, has retired, but you haven't heard from a person that actually played with Tom Brady. Nobody on national television doing a daily show has played with Tom Brady. LaShawn McCoy, you not only played with Brady, but two years ago, you won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's final Super Bowl with him. I want to take a moment right now and bring the viewers into the conversation that they haven't heard all day. Tom Brady, you played with him. That's right. What do people at home not know about the greatest quarterback at all time that you know specifically from being on the field with that man? Oh, so many different things. I think that the biggest thing is Tom Brady might be the biggest player we've ever seen in football. He's probably the most humble player we've ever had. Elaborate. For example, there's, I remember times where we wanted to change different plays. Like, oh, let's do more runs. Let's do more um, short, immediate passes. And B.A. and Leftwich, those are the coaches, they want to yep. throw the ball deep. And I'm sitting there like, when I was on top of my game, when I was the guy in Philadelphia, I'm going up to the, to the, to the head coach's desk or door. Look, I want these plays, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but Tom said, you know what? He said, no what, guys? No, no. It was like the skill positions, wide yeah. receivers, running backs. He said, no. They're the coach. I'm a player. If that's, the, that's the plays they're calling. I'm running that. And he was just so humble. I'm like, God. A guy like that who has accomplished so much in his league, won so many championships, so many Super Bowls and, and rings and, and stats, and really to be like, he's the coach, I'm the player, that just struck me in a different light. So he's one of the most humble players you ever meet. Okay, I got, I got this question because I was thinking in 2013, you and I were teammates. Yeah, Before yeah. you were ever teammates with Brady, and we had the Patriots come down to Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah. We practiced you against them that? for yeah. a week. <laughs> I remember we were in the Marriott Hotel. That was a hotel right next to the airport where we would stay at. I remember Tom Brady got into the elevator, and everybody was like, it's Tom Brady, it's yeah. Tom Brady. We practiced against them in 2013. Then in 2014, we went to Foxborough. We stayed there for a week. How did your perception of Tom Brady change from before you were his teammate to after being his teammate, taking handoffs from him, et cetera? You know what? You always hear all the, the, the stories. Now, like a lot of the players, the good players, we all hang out. So like Gronk, even before I played with Gronk with, with, with Tampa Bay, uh, we did commercials together, yep. Pro Bowls. We were yep. always hanging out. And there was this thing that like Tom was just a, a competitor. Um, um, you know, he works extremely hard. But then to, to hear that and then to see it and yep. playing with him, I'll give you a, a funny story, and I'll give you a serious story. Please do. The funny story is everyone knows that Tom Brady's not fast. That's the thing. And we would always joke with him, like, man, Tom, you look slow on tape. And he would joke, but in the back of his mind, he's like, hold up. I'm still faster than what people think. <laughs> so one time, Tom Brady, he raced one of our wide receiver coaches. Now, they are kind of like similar with age. I think Tom might be a little older, but I don't want to say the wide receiver's name, our coach, coach's name. You know, I keep him under wraps. But anyway, they raced. And Tom won. <laughs> Tom won the race. And it was like it was like an ongoing joke. And then um, the, 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 the serious story with Tom Brady is the closer – okay, so we got into the playoffs, yeah. right? And uh, I remember Gronk said all the skill positions, the wide receivers, the running backs, tight ends. He said, listen, Tom is going to get intense. The playoffs comes, he gets more intense, more intense, more intense each week. Yeah. Sure enough, that Sunday, you know, they had the, uh, our, that Friday, the coach broke, broke everything down. We're in the playoffs. Monday came, my yeah. team meeting, we're getting ready for the playoffs. And Tom stood up and talked to the whole offense. That whole week he was so intense. He was on everybody's case. He didn't let nothing, nothing slip at all. Yep. Each week got closer to the playoffs, closer to the championship, he got more intense. I mean, on, cracking down on all, all, all the scout work, mm-hmm. preparation, and practice. Guys are laughing, joking. He's calling them out. If we mess up, a, mess up a play in practice, we're doing it over so we all know it. I'm like, wow, that's my first time ever seeing a true leader. 
and that was Tom Brady. You won Super Bowl 55 with Tom Brady. They were at Super Bowl 57, so it's been less than two years. I got two more questions for you off the top of my head. The first one being, you said Tom Brady sent you all text messages. Yeah. The entire oh, yeah, offense. Yeah. Yep. Tom Brady's won seven Super Bowls. Us at home, we're like, oh, wow, how's he done it? How'd he do it? But you know specifically how. What did those text messages that he would send during the playoffs, what would they read like? Just a preparation. So now, now you know, we watch tape. We're supposed to watch tape. We may watch two, three hours a day. And in playoffs, you might watch even more. Yeah. Right? So we would watch tape, and Tom Brady would send us a text message. It would be like a group text of like 15 people, maybe yep. 12, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. And he would single out every position. So let's say today was the cornerbacks, number 35. He has slow feet. He's great off the jam. He doesn't do well with back shoulder wow. passes. You could take him deep. Every single player. And on a side chat, but all the other players like me, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, um, Lenny Fournette, yep. we're all joking like, yo, this guy is different. He's so locked in. So it's, I can see why teams struggle to beat him because he's so more prepared than anybody else. Yeah. Think about that for a second, though. I've never seen nothing like that. That's crazy. In, in, each, in each game, it got closer to the Super Bowl, he was more and more dialed in. Final, finally, I need y'all help uh, uh, on the fifth floor. Run the video of Shady Uh-oh. and Tom Brady at the Super Bowl if we can. Might need you to pull back at the gym. Um, Shady. And by the way, I gave him the nickname seven times. So when he was there, I called him six times. Yeah. Championships. So everybody was like, what's up, six times? And he caught on to it. And then the last championship made him seven times. Now, at the Super Bowl 2-5, that was your second Super Bowl ring. Okay. You won one the year before with Patrick Mahomes. This moment. This moment, you're whispering sweet nothing, and Tom Brady's here. What did you say, Tom? I said, Tommy, thanks for the ring, baby. (laughs) Ring me now. Thank thank you, Tommy. Now, y'all ring me. That's two times. That's two times. Okay, let's head to the desk with the other two and get their opinion. On our far left, it is NFL Insider. That is Dave Hellman, knowing all things about football that you need to know. And this is the brilliant Joy Taylor. Joy, you have followed Tom Brady's career, the entirety of Tom Brady's career. What was your reaction to the retirement news? Well, I can't say I was surprised because we already did that. The, (laughs) The first retirement, actually, the first time the news came down, I was doing my radio show for Fox Sports Radio. So I was on air. You know, yesterday we had to pivot and do, uh, you know, a show completely that we didn't plan off of the Sean Payton and D'Amico Ryan's news. Well, I was on air when this story broke. So obviously now I'm doing two hours of Tom Brady retirement talk. Changed um, your whole day. By myself. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, I... I mourned him. You know, I didn't know how emotional I was going to be. And I was I was really I really was sad. I was like, this is this is the greatest player that we've ever, in my opinion, the greatest football player that we've ever seen play. It's certainly the the greatest winner. And I think we can all remove the argument of the greatest quarterback. We can all at least agree on that. But now today it feels very real. I'll say that. I know everyone's speculating about like, is it real? Is he going to come back? Like he literally just retired this morning. So let's give it a day before we start speculating. But we're in a new era now. Now, like, I really feel old. I'm like, we have, we are now, now officially in the new era of young quarterbacks. We have, we have turned the page on a chapter in the NFL. And I think that's pretty significant because Brady has gone through so many renditions of just the sport itself. I mean, he was playing when there was a massive shift from focusing on the defense and being able to game plan to really focusing on having a high level offense and all of the the rules, some of the rules he's responsible for changing. So it's, it really is the next chapter in the history of the NFL, and I think that's significant. Dave, you've covered the sport 
for 10 years. You have written several articles on several athletes, but there is no athlete that demanded more articles. There is no athlete that demanded greater articles. There is no athlete that demanded and deserved more attention than Tom Brady. He announced his retirement. Your reaction? <laughs> kind of what Joyce said. I was kind of like, all right. Is this for real this time, Tom? Like, and I, I think you're right. I think there's finality here. But I just – I laughed this morning when we were talking about it in our group chat because I was like, this feels awfully familiar to last February. I'm just – and I love – I love self-awareness maybe more than any character trait. I really appreciated the way Tom was like, in his own words, was like, I did the big essay last yeah, year. We don't yeah. need to do that again. So I really appreciated that. But, yeah, I mean, look, we talk about it from a player's perspective, from the league's perspective, but, like, those of us that, that love and follow and get paid to talk about the league, I mean, we were kids when Tom Brady took over. And now, I mean, especially for those of us that are younger, maybe there are older people who really – no, 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 I didn't mean you. I mean, I <laughs> uh, you know, older, older. older person. Shoot. I mean, there are, there are people playing in the league. There are people covering the league that don't remember Brady's career. I think we're all fortunate that we do. Yeah. But think about, just, I mean, just think about that. Like, he's always been there. And if he truly is gone, it's more than just like a changing of the guard within the NFL. It's yeah. everything about it from the way you watch it, from the way you cover it. We'll get into more of it. I mean, at some, like everybody knows, you know, everybody knows what he meant, what he's accomplished. And if this really is it, it's, it's kind of strange to think about. But I will say, like, until I see him not playing, I'm reserving just at least like a sliver. Like, you did this to me once, man. I don't know. We'll see. As you should. Of all the incredibly impressive things that Tom Brady accomplished, there's one thing I heard that was most impressive. And you at home may realize that you may have not have heard this yet. Tom Brady quite literally had three Hall of Fame careers in his three different decades, his 20s, his 30s, his 40s. Now, I could verbally tell you all, or I could also illustrate for you all, in, in Tom Brady's 20s, 147 passing touchdowns, three Super Bowl wins, 70 wins total. In Tom Brady's 30s, 309 passing touchdowns, two Super Bowl wins, 113 wins total. In Tom Brady's 40s, y'all, in his 40s, two Super Bowl wins, 193 passing touchdowns, and 68 wins total. Quite literally had three different Hall of Fame careers. Dave, I'm coming to you with this question, and I just thought of it. Once again, if y'all are not familiar with Speak, stay for a while. We have a lot of fun here. I asked Dave a bunch of random questions, Safe. and he has to answer them. You do them. so much prep, and then you're like, nah. <laughs> uh -uh. Tom Brady, three different Hall of Fame careers. Which one impressed you the most? What decade? What did the 20s? The 30s, the 40s. I would Why? say, I mean, well, winning a Super Bowl in your 40s with an entirely new organization speaks for itself. But I would, I would go with 07 to 16, his 30s, just because, not to take credit away from him, but, like, we, we know there was more to that first run than just yeah. Tom Brady. Of course. It was a loaded team, top to bottom. But then in the 30s, you saw Tom Brady come into his own, become a 50-touchdown-per-season type of quarterback, and it actually didn't work out right away. It was the classic case of like, oh, when you pay your quarterback too much, can you really win Super Bowls? And then they just kept winning and then reestablished themselves to have a second dynasty, like a second run of three Super Bowls in quick succession, having already done that, when – Typically, you're closer to the end of your career than the beginning for anybody else but Tom Brady. It would be. I just think 
that's so impressive. What they were able to do from 2011 until 2018, uh, unreal. This question is fun, so I'm going to ask it to everybody. Joy, coming to you momentarily. 2-5, Tom Brady's 20s, he wins three rings. His 30s, he wins two rings. His 40s, you get to be a part of it. You win his final ring with him. That is still crazy to say that I'm sitting next to you and you were playing with him. Which decade of his is the most, like, astonishing to you? I'm going to go with uh, the 40s. First of all, I'm part of that one. <laughs> and then also just, I mean, he was older. Right? Older, and, and everybody loves to talk about the Belichick. Oh, Belichick and Tom Brady. No, 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 no. It's Tom Brady and then some Belichick. Yeah. He goes to a new team, new organization, new franchise, right, and still gets it done with new players. Essentially, he was really a rookie. Think about that. I've been with a program for 20 years. Okay, you worked at Fox for 20 years. Yeah. Now you go to a whole other platform, another job, another work area. It's new for you. And for him to do the same thing he did in all the other decades and win a championship with a, with a program, with a team that hasn't been winning, with the same players, yep. the only difference was him. Yeah. Got to go with that way, that decade. Yeah, I have to go with the 40s also. I mean, we're, we're all aging every day, every moment. His ability to stay healthy, his yes. his – Dedication to his body that he's even able to play at the level he was able to play is, is, is another chapter of his legacy, his ability to be available. We always say that availability is a skill. Tom Brady defined that. He actually has shown the rest of the league the blueprint for how to preserve your body, how you eat, how you train, how you stretch, how much time you put in in preparation every day. Shady, you were there, you know. He has that whole model of having your own trainer to that level. Obviously, Michael Jordan had, that, had it also, but at the, at the NFL level, it was pretty unique to see that. I mean, he, he was legendary for that, and it showed in his ability to play into the, his mid-40s and have a high level of success. So it's not like he was just out there. He's winning championships. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the, the 20s route. And it's just personal. The reason I'll take the 20s is I know what it's like to be a six-round pick. <laughs> know what it's like to be a six-round pick. Got I it. quite literally was a six-round pick. Six-round picks are not supposed to produce all that much. You're just not. You're supposed to make the team, be a backup, contribute on special teams. Tom Brady turned into the greatest player in the history of the game. We are astonished at what Drew Brees did, I believe, as a second-round pick. Second-round from Purdue. Yeah. Second-round pick. That is astonishing. Right? If you're the number one overall pick, Peyton Manning, we anticipate stuff like that. Troy Aikman, you win a whole bunch of rings. John Elway, we anticipate stuff like that. Andrew Luck, great career. But when you are a sixth-round pick, you're not supposed to be great, let alone the greatest of all time. Mm. And Tom Brady, you were just that. Well, coming up, Sean Payton has been great in his own right. He has a Super Bowl ring of his own. And get this, remember yesterday he was traded to the Denver Broncos. Well, now the more fascinating discussion is it his team or is it Russell Wilson's team? Is Russell Wilson on the hot seat? That's next on Speed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
no story outside of the Brady story more important than this one. Russell Wilson had the most disappointing season in all of pro sports last year, not just football, but here comes Sean Payton to the rescue. He is officially tabbed to be the next coach for the Denver Broncos after they just traded for him. Russell Wilson, the fewest touchdown passes of his career. The athletic road, Payton's hiring leaves Russ with no excuses. Before every show, we have a pre-show meeting. Let me bring you all at home into the conversation of how TV is made. We have a pre-show meeting, and we discuss the different topics. I asked Dave, hey, what do you think about Sean Payton? I asked Shady, hey, what do you think about Sean Payton? I asked Joy, hey, what do you think about Sean Payton? Joy said something so incredibly fascinating that we literally had to change the topic of conversation. Talking about how it might be Sean Payton's team now. And if that's the case, then that puts Russell Wilson on the hot seat, doesn't it, Joy? Yeah, absolutely. Because here's what happened with Russell Wilson having the year that he had last year. Now we can factually say Russell Wilson has to have a good to great to Hall of Fame level coach in order to be successful. If he bounces back this year, which we're all assuming that he will, that will become a fact. He needed Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll had a successful season this year without Russell Mm -hmm. Wilson. We know what Pete Carroll is and his reputation. He had a not great coach in Nathaniel Hackett. At least we assume that he's not a great coach and it's not Russell Wilson's fault, which we will now find out. But we know what Sean Payton is. So that's already, that's already been established. You have to have a high-level coach. Now, most people would say that the, the highest level of success is linked to a high-level coach. Does the quarterback make the coach? Does the coach make the quarterback? What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we know no eggs or chickens were made last year in Denver. <laughs> so the answer lies in Sean Payton, which absolutely puts Russell Wilson in the hot seat. I don't know how you could arrive at any other conclusion. Like, that, there were two factors. We did segments about this. Like, is it Russell Wilson? Is it Nathaniel Hackett? What, who's more at fault for the offense's problems in Denver? And they fired Nathaniel Hackett and replaced him with the most accomplished coach available. Like, it, there, that there <laughs> Literally. is. Literally. Who's accomplished more than Sean Payton? More. Not as much, but more. I mean, it's like Bill Belichick and Andy Reid? Maybe? Right, I mean, right. am, I, am yeah. I forgetting anybody? No. I don't think I am. It's not a long list. So you, uh, you use that type of resources to bring in somebody who's qualified to fix this. There's nothing left to say. What would you say? There's no excuse? What would the excuse be? They had a fantastic scoring defense last year. They finished dead last in the league in scoring offense. Like, again, we're not talking about the Broncos needing to be this juggernaut to be relevant. They just needed to be, like, a little bit better. And Russell Wilson wasn't capable of that. I don't say that to dog on him, but the depth of ineptitude was wild to see. You know, like, there was a trend on TikTok about, does Russell Wilson have more touchdown passes than his house have bathrooms? (laughs) And it took until, like, Christmas time for him to pass that. Justin Fields threw more touchdowns than Russell Wilson last year. I I said that on purpose because I knew it would carry weight on this show. Justin Fields had 17. Russ had 16 touchdown passes last year. There's nobody left to blame. And when you you take this type of swing at a coach with Peyton's resume, there's nothing else to say. Yes, he is on the hottest seat in the NFL, in my opinion. Shady, some coaches, they're like Midas. Everything they touch – Turns to gold. Right. Andy Reid is one of those coaches. Donovan McNabb, gold. Mike Vick, another $100 million contract. Gold. gold. Uh, he touched <laughs> Nick Foles early on. Gold. gold. Alex Smith. Silver. You want to you you chip? Oh, yes. Okay. Gold. <laughs> gold. You're right. Alex Smith, gold. 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't even know what, what yes. element you call Platinum. that. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know what element Goals. you call that. Gold. Plural. Exactly. <laughs> Sean Payton. I won't call him Andy Reid, but he's brilliant. Yeah, and he is. Sean Payton yeah, touched is. Drew Brees. Gold. He touched Taysom Hill, sixty-plus million-dollar contract from an undrafted player. He touched Jameis Winston after thirty interceptions. He went five and two a year and a half later. He touched Teddy Bridgewater, five and zero oh as a starter. Yep. Anything Sean Payton touches literally turns to gold. But now the Midas touch is touching Russell Wilson. What's that going to do for Russ? How much pressure on Russ? Oh, tremendous amount of pressure for sure. I mean, you bring in a, a player or not a player, a coach with this resume, right? And it's like it adds together because Russ. He struggled, and everybody couldn't believe it's Russ struggling. So it got to be the coach, mm-hmm. right? So let's, let's fire the coach. You ask him out. Now you're bringing a guy like Sean Payton to the deal, to the team, to the franchise. So, yeah, the, 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 the pressure has won up. He added the money that they gave Russ, the, the performance he gave us last year or this year. Yep. The pressure's out the roof. I got a and question. I got a question, Shady. Well, first off, we have a we have the let's throw it on the big, big board. Um, just everything that they gave up for Russ. I want you at home to so understand much. just how much Russ has been given monetarily. Don't now, forget. Get this: the trade compensation. They gave a 2022 first round pick, a 2022 second round pick. I'm going to jump to 2023, a first round pick, a 2022 second round pick, plus Noah Fant, plus Shelby Harris, plus Drew Locke. Then remember what they gave up for Sean Payton, a first round pick, a second round pick. Shady, you are the resident superstar on the desk, former superstar. How much... Do you feel the weight of that? Let's not talk about us at the desk. We can sit here and wax poetically about pressure on Russ all day. But you've been in the chair. Right. If you know a team paid you $240 So when you say I'm, I'm Russ. You're Russ. Okay, 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 okay. You've not only been given $240 million, yeah, yeah. but they gave up a first and a second for you and then another first and a second. Then you were still bad. So then they gave up a first and a second after firing your coach to bring in a new coach. Are you walking around the facility every day feeling that weight? Are you studying film extra hard feeling that weight? Are you trying to ignore it? Take me into the mindset oh, of that oh, athlete. Oh, he feels it. He feels it. I, I give you a better scenario. Actually, my LaShawn McCoy myself. When I got traded from, from Philadelphia to, to Buffalo, I became the highest paid running back, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, I got that paper. I'm a new team. I'm happy. I didn't have a great year. I got injured, right? So I started off really, really slow. I picked it up at the end. But I start hearing all these, these, these rumors and talks. Is he that good? Is he worth the money? Buffalo was tripping. Maybe Philadelphia was right. So as I'm hearing this, I feel it. I feel it in the locker room, right? I feel it with, 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 the, with the, the fans. They're not getting what they thought they were getting. Dallas, or Denver, they're not getting what they thought they were getting. The management, we're not getting what we paid for. So you feel that. So that offseason, I went crazy. I went back home. To Harrisburg, where I'm from, right? Because at the time I lived in Miami, nice house and all that. I got out of that. I went back home to where it started from, the same place where I trained at as in high school. I went to them areas to train. I put the Rose Voices and the Bentleys. Away. I put them away. Yeah, the I didn't even see them. Nope. I went back to my mama's house. Yeah, what car right? are you driving now? I mean, it's a little Audi. It's like a mama Audi, like a soccer mama Audi, right? Yeah, but sure. but the, but I went to train hard, yeah. right? And and, and like it. it it drove me. It fueled me because I hear all the rumors. And Russ would get up there and, 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 and at the media and, and on, on the platform and say, oh, I don't, let's ride. I don't hear that. He feels Let me that. ask you something you very quickly. 
I rockied it. I rockied it. <laughs> As you're talking, I'm like, which eye of the tiger? Come on. And guess what? I'm just And the next year, now I'm on Sean Payton. I don't need that. All, all, all pro year the next year. Can you, Did you run up the steps at the art museum? Uh, mountains. You was in the, the cut-up? Cutting up the, with the axe on the trees. You were, you were lifting the cart. Come on, now. With a cart. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> you know, Rocky's real now. He's real. This conversation's gone off the rails. Tell me you were hearing that the whole time. Yeah, no, literally. Okay. Can we oh, put some motivational music behind sorry. that? Darnell, you run social. I need the motivational music behind that. And then I need Shady giving that little speech. Even that or dreams and nightmares. Hey, Julie, Julie. One of the two. Hey, dreams. <laughs> All right, coming up, we got a lot more, not only on Rocky McCoy, but on Tom Brady and his retirement. Can you believe Tom Brady called it quits? Yo, we're having fun here. Don't go anywhere next on Speak. That's a true story, though. I could actually take count of me. Brady announced his retirement. Where, where do I start? Okay, I could start with the fact that Tom Brady has more Super Bowls than all 32 NFL franchises with. You all can count them up seven. Tom Brady announces retirement. Where in the world should I start? Okay, I could start with the fact that Tom Brady had a Hall of Fame career in quite literally every single decade of his playing career. He had three Super Bowls in his 20s. Two in his 30s. He had two Super Bowls in his 40s. Tom Brady announced his retirement. Where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? We could also start with the fact that Tom Brady goes to Tampa and wins the Super Bowl without the greatest coach of all time. When Tom Brady announced his retirement, it's not about where we start. It's about where we end. And we end with Tom Brady being the greatest football player the game has quite literally ever seen. Tom Brady's legacy, it transcends all. You all have heard my thoughts on Tom Brady's legacy, but Joy Taylor, I want to come to the desk and hear your thoughts about Tom Brady's legacy. What is his legacy to you? I think it's very nuanced. On a simple level, it's everything you just said. He's the greatest quarterback we've ever seen in the history of the NFL, the greatest winner in the history of the NFL. If you don't feel comfortable calling him the best player because you're, you know, want to get into the talent conversation, that's fine. I don't. I think he's the best player. He's certainly the, has the most amount of results. He is the ultimate resulter. And I'll take results over talent in a conversation any day. And to me, he closes the door on that. He had a nearly perfect season. Forget about that. But on a second layer, he had a very complicated career. Because I am old, I do remember every layer of Tom Brady's career. And I vividly remember a time when he was public enemy number one in the NFL. He wasn't always loved. In fact, everyone who wasn't a Patriots fan hated the Patriots and hated Tom Brady specifically. Yep. Bill Belichick was Voldemort. It was the Death Star. <laughs> it, was, it was everything that was anti-fun. And it was exhausting because they were going to be there every single year. And they would crush your soul and crush your spirit. And they were militant about it. They were unapologetic about cutting players. They were just the no-fun zone. Except for Gronk. They always, <laughs> they always let Gronk be himself. But that, that was the reputation, and Tom was the leader of that. He was the face of that. You had Spygate. You had Deflategate. There were many layers to Tom Brady's career that, when you look at the perspective of it, is not as simple as what we think of him now. And to me, the moment that he kind of shed all that was the comeback against Atlanta. Because it, it made him immortal. It was something we were all watching, and it contextualized why we watch sports.
Can they win? Is What is this a part of their legacy? Who can accomplish this? You're so low and feels desperate and you do something that is unexplainable. We That, that win just shut everything down. It was like, it doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter if you hate Tom Brady because he is the greatest. What we watched was the results of the greatest quarterback we had ever seen in one of the biggest moments in the biggest game. And it just, it truly made him immortal. Let me remind y'all, because I had to remind myself while, while Joy was talking, you all are witnessing history. Sometimes things just happen and it's like, oh, another show, another speak show. We do every single week Man, how will this affect Patrick Mahomes' legacy? Mm. How will this Super Bowl affect Jalen Hurts' legacy? Did the loss to Mahomes impact Burrow's legacy? But we're just doing that because we know we got to wait like 10 to 15 years for them to retire to see how it actually impacted their legacy. This is a historical show because this is the only time we can actually talk about the legacy of the greatest quarterback of all time. Dave Hellman, talk to me about Tom Brady's legacy to you as someone who covered the sport. Well, all of that stuff is true. And actually, we don't have to show it again. I, I loved looking at the photo of him winning each Super Bowl. If you notice, he's smiling like a politician on six of them. Six of them, he's just like, oh, oh, my God, this is so great. We won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51 against Atlanta. He is screaming like a madman. (laughs) And why do you think that is? Probably because he just pulled off the most insane comeback in NFL history. And in that moment, he's like, I'm the GOAT. Nobody's got anything to say to me. And I just, I think that's really cool. I never noticed that before. But well, seriously. I thought all, you were going to talk about the tan. All the, well, he is much more tan in, in Tampa as well. But like all the other photos, he's like, man, this is cool. I love one in the Super Bowl. And in that one, he's like, yes, I am the best. No, but, and, and I mean, look, we talked about it at the top of the show. You remember Tampa. Everybody remembers the recent stuff. It's crazy to think this started before somebody watching this show was alive. 2001. And just it's so weird to think about. Like, Brady wasn't always this way. He was a Brock Purdy-esque story. Mm-hmm. Took over for an injured Pro Bowl-caliber player. The Super Bowl they won the, against the Rams, it's so crazy to think about. They were an underdog story. It was like, it's really cool that this plucky Patriots team is here. Like, they kind of needed the help from the refs to even get past Oakland, but they're here now. But the greatest show on turf is going to run them out of the building. They, they, they were up big in that game. The Rams scored 14 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. It's like, here comes Warner. Here comes Falk. It's over. It's over for plucky underdog Tom Brady. Minute and a half to play. And this was 2001. It's a completely different league. John Madden is saying, I think you got to play for overtime here. You got this kid at quarterback. What are you supposed to do? And Brady led him 53 yards to the game-winning field goal. All passes. They didn't run once. Every single play was a pass. And clearly, even then, we had no idea who he was going to be. But I, rem- I was in seventh grade, and I was like, I can't believe they're going for the win, and I can't believe it's working. <laughs> and they won. And, and who would have guessed he would still be winning Super Bowls? I'm, in my, I'm well into my 30s now. I was 13 when that game had- I mean, it's hard to contextualize that much, but, uh, man, what a ride it's been. Dave, you just displayed Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win. Shady, you were quite literally on the field as a teammate for Tom Brady's last Super Bowl win. Take us to that memory as it was one of your favorites. One of my favorites with with Tom? I'm going to go in a different direction, not from football, from fun. My best time and moments with Tom Brady with the Bucs, I mean, sure, I could talk about him, you know, the long speeches, making everybody believe, which he did a lot of times, um, making us, you know, take our, our, our level of play to another level, our preparation to another level. But more just like, 
for the parade. Right? <laughs> After y'all won Super Bowl yeah, 55. Yeah, so, so we, we see a Tom Brady. Let me just tell you who he is. First of all, he's the most kindest person in the building. He treats the janitor. He treats the uh, cafeteria lady. He treats the, 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 um, the people that, that – the equipment managers, yep. the guys that pick up the, the, the draws. Everybody, the same as he would treat the owner. That's who Tom Brady is. So he's always, like, like serious too, though. Like, he, he's, he has some jokes and funs. But when we're watching tape, we're on practice field, he's serious. No horse playing. Let's get this stuff correct. That's who he is. But for the parade – Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. He throwing <laughs> trophies. He had, a little, he had a little something to drink a little bit. He was laughing. He was joking. You would have thought that Gronk was Brady and Brady was Gronk. <laughs> they like Swiss rolls. And we had a blast. And just seeing him letting his hair down and just being free, being happy, that was the best Tom Brady. He kissing everybody on the cheek. That's his thing. He'll kiss you now. I love you, baby. <laughs> baby, I love you. You know, and, and it's just showing a different side that people don't see. And I'm like, wow, I said six times or seven times. This is, how, this is the real you. So, you know, you give a little te- tequila, uh, uh, what's it called? Guacamole. Avocado. The avocado, tequila, whatever it is, mixture, you give them that, and you'll get the real Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Good note. Uh, Joy, you had a very interesting favorite Tom Brady moment. What was, what is yours? Uh, well, it's a personal Tom Brady moment. I got to find it now. You didn't have me prepared for this. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, so, my brother played for 15 years in the NFL, played for the Dolphins for 13, played for Washington, we won't talk about that, and the New York Jets, which was, which was one of my favorite years of his career. And he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. And when you go into the Hall of Fame, there is a, there's a committee meeting of, of the voters, and someone will present your case for the Hall of Fame. It won't be very hard to do that for Tom Brady. But some, someone presented for my brother, and uh, they had a letter from Tom Brady that he wrote to the Hall of Fame voters, it says to the Hall of Fame voters. The end, it says, thank you for your time and consideration. And not that Jason needed a, you know, a compelling yeah, argument to get to the Hall of Fame. This is a picture that uh, Tom posted on his Instagram story of Jason. Jason has uh, facial hair there as well. So <laughs> you can very much date that year of Jason's career. Um, but one part of the, the letter, and it's, it's like, it's a pretty long letter. That, um, I mean, that is, it up. It's multiple yeah, paragraphs. that would work on it for an assignment. Yeah. Yes. Like, <laughs> single um, space. He said the games against Jason are some of my most, well, maybe least memorable. He's one of the greatest opponents I've ever faced. Having had the pleasure of looking across the line and seeing him on the opposite side of the ball, not once, but twice each season for a decade. When I entered the league with a healthy respect for Jason and the incredible talented Miami defense, he led my admiration for him as a player and person only continued to grow with each play, each game, each season. And this was, and you can go to his story later, not now during the show, but afterwards and see Tom Brady's story. And he's posted a lot of photos with his competitors. And he mentioned it in his, his video earlier that he, you know, he thanked his teammates and competitors because he really is somebody who respects the game at the highest level. Like this is not, this is not just something that he watches or participates in or makes money from. Like this is truly his life. And love, like he is, a, this is a part of who he is. So to respect your competitors as much as you res- respect every other element of the game, I think is important because we talk about these matchups and these rivalries and these moments. But when you can look across the field and say, I'm, you know, I'm beating the best or I'm getting beat by the best, which was kind of the you know, usual occasion with Jason, that really says a lot to me about who Tom Brady is. Like he really respects every level and element of the game. Dave. How important was it? Because as Joy was talking 10 minutes ago, I had this thought, but I didn't want to interrupt anybody. Tom Brady's in 
uh, New England. And in New England, it really was no fun, right? Like one of my close friends coming out of the draft, Dante Hightower, he was a captain for the Patriots for God knows how long, won three Super Bowls there. But I was like, yo, I pity you because practice got to be terrible. (laughs) Tom Brady, when he was in New England, he was very straight-laced. We didn't really know him at all. But then he went to Tampa. How important do you think Tampa Tom Brady was for Tom Brady's legacy. It's somebody who's going to write the articles, right? You spend time writing articles. You are literally going to create the narrative of Tom Brady. People like you. How important was Tampa Tom for the remembrance of his legacy? I mean, it, the, the accomplishments are the accomplishments, and I think you're going to have a healthy respect for that regardless. But I, I, starting with Atlanta, starting with 28-3, to 3, I think we saw a different side of Tom Brady. Not, and, and it came out even more when he went to Tampa, obviously. Like him and Gronk get to go down to the beach – Bruce Arians is like the most player-friendly coach in the world. But you saw so much more of Tom's personality over the last, I don't know, six years of his career. Again, even in New England, he's doing those hilarious like pre- and post-game trash talk videos that he would put on Facebook. Like, I, I, I would guess somewhere around 2016, I was like, I don't remember this. I don't remember Tom Brady being fun. This is different. And it definitely ratcheted up. In, in Tampa, and I think it's a little a little less straight lace there. But yeah, like I think I think people have a way more three D image, a way more fun image of Tom Brady than they would have. Now, you know what I was that. thinking? Whenever we talk about Michael Jordan on this set, and we always talk about him glowingly, we always do. Are we counting as Wizards years? Right? Like we're yeah, all kind of like, sure. like we just kind of like let's let's uh, so we don't need to talk about we don't that. need to talk about the Wizards yeah. years. Yeah. But when you talk about even Tom Brady, no, no, we're talking about the Bucks years. Like we we are talking about that year in Tampa where he went. And had Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians had not won a Super Bowl as an OC. He won a Super Bowl, I believe, as a QB coach. Or not as won a Super Bowl coach. as a head coach. Head coach he coach. won a Super Bowl, I think, as a QB coach for the Steelers. Um, but not won it as a head coach. Got close with Carson Palmer. Got close in Arizona. But then instantly Tom Brady and Bruce Arians win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady's legacy, regardless of when you look at it, it is always something to be remembered glowingly. Well, coming up, Patrick Mahomes. No, he's got his own track, his own path to follow, having an MVP-level season. But now he's in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. I've been watching some tape, y'all. I've been watching some tape. And I don't know if the Eagles are prepared for the Chiefs superstar. We'll talk about it next on Speed. The biggest moment in sports, the Super Bowl, 11 days away. The Eagles will be there after a dominant performance over the San Francisco 49ers. The Chiefs will be there. They dominated all season long as well. Chiefs, Eagles. I cannot wait. Well, Patrick Mahomes, he's the MVP frontrunner. Jalen Hurts, he's an MVP candidate as well. Patrick Mahomes, all pro. Jalen Hurts, all pro. Shady, I got to talk to you for a second. Man. Can I? Talk to your boy. Got to talk to you for a second. Um, whenever you have time, like too much time before a big event, at least me, I start to worry. I start to overthink. I got too much time before a big show. What do I wear? Do I wear a tie? Do I not wear a tie? Do I wear what, what, what kind of watch? Do I, wear? I start to overthink. I've had so much time before this Eagles-Chiefs game that I'm thinking, I'm thinking, are the Eagles ready for Patrick Mahomes? I'm sitting at the house last night, and I'm watching tape. Are they ready for Patrick Mahomes? You played with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know how talented he is. I've watched the Eagles defense literally every snap. I know how great they are. Shady, what I concluded, the Eagles aren't prepared for Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Now, I'm not saying the Eagles aren't going to win the game. We'll talk about that later. Can't tell you all 11 days beforehand. But after watching the tape 2-5, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I don't know if anybody 
can be ready for the combination of Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey. It's like being ready for LeBron James. It's like being ready for Michael Jordan. It's like being ready for Magic Johnson. like being ready for Tiger. like being ready for Usain Bolt. You can watch all the film. You can study all the tendencies and tips. But I just don't know that they're ready. Shady, I'm watching the game plan. And they were going up against the San Francisco 49ers. Yep. Very similar in personnel. Eagles have Reddick. Niners have Bosa. Awesome. Eagles have Edwards. Niners have Warner. Eagles have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Niners have Hufunga. Like, very similar in elite personnel. Eagles right. have their uh, D.C. Cannon. Niners have D'Amico Ryans. Eagles are number two in the defense. Niners are number one. Very similar. And I'm watching the Chiefs find different ways with Andy Reid to manipulate that elite defense of the Niners. Right. So it had me thinking, Shady, I don't know that the Eagles are prepared for Mahomes. You love the Eagles. You love Mahomes. You know Reid well. Are the Eagles prepared for Pat? That's why I love this game, man. You know why? Because you have to play the game to know that answer. And I'll say this. I'm going to say no. They're probably not ready for Mahomes. But I'm going to tell you why they're not ready. Because you don't know what you're going to expect from, from, from Patrick Mahomes. He's that good, right? You, you can't really prepare for him. You know he's good. You know he's great. My thing is this. I think the Eagles have what it takes to get the job done. Yeah. Now, Sam prepared, it's hard to say that because he's probably going to be the best quarterback they've ever faced all year. Of course. If we looked at the quarterbacks they probably faced. Best ones, Dak best, Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Dak Prescott, yeah. right, and Kirk Cousins. Mahomes is, like, better than him on, on, the, on the solar ankle. Yeah. yeah, you through the playoffs. So, my thing is this. The Eagles, we have what it takes, though. Now, yeah, now we might not be prepared for Patrick Mahomes because we haven't seen anything like him. But guess what? Them dudes up front, the defense linemen, they get to that quarterback. They do. Right? They get to that quarterback. We talk about having all pro and pro bowl caliber cornerbacks. We have them. Mm-hmm. Bradbury, Couple Slay. We on. have them. Couple Come on, though. Gardner, we have them. So we might not be prepared for Patrick Mahomes because we don't know what's going to happen, what they expect. You got Andy Reid. You do got Travis Kelsey. And you have Patrick Mahomes probably going to be the MVP. But I'll say this. There's not a defense out there that's going to be more ready. We, I don't know if we're prepared for him because we haven't seen him yet, but we're going to be ready. Quickly, when you were on the Chiefs and y'all won the Super Bowl against the Niners, okay. a very good defense because the Niners still had – Bosa may have been hurt, but he was still there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fred Warner was still there. Yep. I believe Sherm, Richard Sherman, yeah. future Hall of yeah, Famer. He wasn't, really, he, wasn't, he wasn't the same nah, Sherm, but he was, he was there. Yeah. He was on the field. His IQ was present. How did Andy Reid, with two weeks of time, prepare to handle those beasts that were still there? See, that's the thing with Andy Reid. Now, I, I will say this, though, before I get to Andy, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, that Pat was a little rattled with the pass rush early. Yeah. We had some up, up, up and down with the linemen. They were hurt, especially the tackles. Ah, and they get to the quarterback. Now, at this time, Pat didn't really do well with step up in the pocket. Mm-hmm. His thing was drift, drift, drift back, drift, drift back because yep. his arms were strong. But now he's involved so much that he's stepping up in the pocket and delivering the ball. But Andy Reid, he doesn't really worry about the pressure. He has so many different looks. Right with, with the chip blocks from the running backs, from the tight ends, he 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 designs it in the play. They chip go to flat with the curl routes. Like he's always making things up. So they'll have a a great game plan. I just think that the the one thing about the Eagles, man, we have so much depth. So our best pass rusher is probably Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, of right? course. But then our our, our worst. I don't want to say worse. Josh but, Sweat but has our, got 10. You see what I'm saying? 10. So oh, like yeah. our starters to our backups, we all they all get busy with getting to the quarterback. And I think that's the biggest thing with, with the Eagles going against the, going against the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. Pack a kill you at any given time. But we have so many different guys on defense that can make plays to beat the Chiefs. So it'll be a good game. It will be a phenomenal game. Joy Taylor, Eagles, Chiefs, Mahomes, that pass rusher. The Eagles prepared for Pat. 
I don't, I don't want anything I'm about to say to sound like shade to Patrick Mahomes. Because, no, you can't be prepared for Patrick Mahomes because we've never seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. And you don't know what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes. And as great as Pat is, he's still one player on one side of the ball. There's still eight players on this Eagles roster from the 2017 Super Bowl. Mm. You didn't know babies. These are Super Bowl winning players. There's not a lot of rookies on this team that are playing right now. Jalen Hurts isn't even a rookie in his third year. So prepared, they're about as prepared as any team can be. They're the best team True. in the NFC by far and have been all season. Okay. Just waiting for any pushback. <laughs> no, I don't by agree, far. But, but anyway. no, 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 they are. They are. That's, that's why they're there. That's why they're the number one seed. That's why they got the bye. That's why they, they, they walked they, to the Super Bowl. One seed? Walked. Just yeah, right. walked on in. Just take like, that. Just like Miles Sanders. Take right that, take that, take that, take Walked that, take right that. in. Just like this. This is, the, this is the perfect matchup. The top to bottom, the Eagles have an unbelievably talented roster. Top to bottom, the Chiefs have a talented roster, but they have the best player in football in Patrick Mahomes. So to say they're prepared as and they've seen anything like Patrick Mahomes this year, they haven't. But this is not a young team in Philadelphia. This is a team with a lot of experience, a lot of dogs, and they've been consistent all season long. So I think this is going to be an unbelievable matchup. And keep in mind, LeBron has lost a few finals. Tom Brady has lost some Super Bowls. And Patrick Mahomes has lost the Super Bowl. So the only one you shouldn't keep in there is Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan doesn't lose finals. And he doesn't even go to game seven, so it's not even an option. Everyone else is vulnerable. And that's just that's a fact. That's why this game is so interesting because it is the two best teams in the league. Right. And we're going to get to see a battle and see who, who winds up on top. Yeah, I think it's – you can say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback the Eagles will have played. And stopping him will be very, very difficult. That part is true. I uh, – that sounds disrespectful to me, to any NFL defense, especially a top five, top three defense. It sounds disrespectful to me to say you're not ready for a quarterback. I mean, this, is, this isn't college football. Like, oh, hey, Kansas State, you won the Big 12. That's so cool. Have fun with Alabama. See how you do against all those future NFL players. Like, this isn't that, where a team can play a whole season without seeing a certain level of, of excellence. I disagree. But I, let, I vehemently okay, disagree. No. Finish the thought, but I vehemently disagree. Even if you think that about the Philadelphia Eagles this year, again, to Joy's point, you're talking about a, a defense made up of guys that have been doing this for a long time. Darius Slay joined the NFL with the Detroit Lions during prime Rodgers years. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson made his bones with the Saints practicing against Drew Brees every day and playing Tom Brady twice in the regular season. It goes on and on and on. James Bradbury was in Carolina. He had to deal with Brady. He had to deal with Brees. Hassan Reddick, he's been in the league a long time. Javon Hargrave, he's in Pittsburgh going through the AFC. Like These guys have been through the gauntlet of NFL football at a ton of different levels. Patrick Mahomes is great, and he's going to be very hard to stop. But to suggest, it, it makes it sound like they literally have never played against excellence before, and that's quite simply not true. I think there are levels of excellence, right? I, the reason I don't like the college thing is because there are levels of talent in the NFL. Like, there just are. All NFL players aren't created equal. And in all honesty, ain't nobody like Patrick Mahomes. There just isn't. You could say that Josh Allen has Patrick Mahomes qualities. Joe Burrow got some Patrick Mahomes qualities. Aaron Rodgers got some Patrick Mahomes qualities. That's probably where it stops. Um, but when I think about Mahomes, I'm just like, I don't know how you can prepare for something you haven't come close to seeing. You could make the argument that Jared Goff, week one, is the best quarterback the Eagles saw all season. Jared Goff is a pro bowler. Outside of that, like Shady said, it's Kirk Cousins, it's Dak Prescott. 
With Pat, that ball's coming out faster. With Pat, that ball's more accurate. With Pat, when you think you got him, you don't got him. With Andy Reid, they don't even – the best plays that the Chiefs ran against the 49ers, they didn't block Nick Bosa. Those were the best plays. They left them unblocked and ran jet sweeps, and they scored on two of them. So the best plays, they might not even block Hassan yeah, But, but, but also, you got to think about this, like – this might, I, I say, in my opinion, this is probably the best pass rush that he'll see all year. Absolutely. Right? Maybe in his career. So it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's yeah, like, what's the forth. best defense the Chiefs have seen all year? Niners. 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 That's the only thing. Niners. That's, but, but, the, but, I, but I thought I said the pass rush. I thought yeah, I said yeah, yeah, I agree. The pass rush is different. Again, Meetings. in a league, though, in a, I mean, the Chiefs have lost three, three times this year. Like, Mahomes has been limited by – we've seen opponents do it this year. And it sounds like I'm throwing shade at Mahomes. I'm really not. I've been pumping Mahomes up all season. But this is the NFL. But that's everybody's not, that's talented. Why I and, just don't like that. that. Yeah, like this is not. If this is a college team of mostly uh, sophomores and freshmen, that's what I'm saying. And and then now they're coming up against Alabama. Like, yeah, okay. These are, like these are men that have won a Super Bowl before. Talking these about are all pros. Won Super Bowls, been all ben, pros, been to Super Bowls. gone against NFL gone MVPs against, at times against, during their career. Brady in his not retirement Brady, like still elite Brady. I guess the only reason I'm hesitant. It's because the Niners got all pros, a lot of them. And the Eagles' first possession of the game went right down the field. Eagles, uh, the Niners hadn't seen anything like the Eagles. They hadn't seen anything like Jalen Hurts. Hadn't seen anything like that run game. Yeah, that's the point. They yeah, yeah. went right down the field on the Eagles. Now, questionable catch, non-catch by Devontae Smith. Just run like, the ball and all they that just zoom like yeah. right down the field. The Bills had not seen anything like Joe Burrow in the last month and a half. So Joe Burrow goes out there in Buffalo. Ding, 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 ding. Touchdown. Next possession. Seven plays. Touchdown. I'm like, now, obviously, I do still think the Eagles will handle business. Yeah, but like, you get, get that thought. No, but even like, like adjusting, though. So, like, that's what I love about football is two halves. Yeah. So, my homes might come out and shock everybody. Oh, oh. Like, his, his delivery of the ball is faster than we thought. You know, he gets the ball out faster than we thought. Because tape is one thing. But in, in the game, life. Sure. But I, I love the, the adjustments. Okay, boom. Now we've seen what he got. They always say this. We got their, we, we took their best, best shot, punch. their best punch. <laughs> so the second half, you see what Mahomes is. Like, hey, okay, you now know, we're ready for. Be lying, though. If you get, if you give up a touchdown in the first drive of the game, hey, hey, they gave you the best shot. That's all they got. No, 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 coach. They might have more punches. They might have several more punches. As we celebrate Black History Month, I like to honor Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall was a civil rights lawyer who used the court to fight Jim Crow, dismantle segregation in the U.S. Marshall, a towering figure of a man, became the nation's first black United States Supreme Court justice. He's best known for arguing the historic case, Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, in which the Supreme Court declared separate but equal unconstitutional in public schools. He used the power of the court to fight racism, discrimination, change the status quo, and make life better for the most vulnerable in our nation. During his nearly 25-year tenure on the Supreme Court, Marshall fought for affirmative action for minorities, held strong against the death penalty, and supported women's rights to choose if an abortion was appropriate for her. Justice Marshall had one simple mission, equal justice for all. Transitioning back to football, Sean Payton will be the next head coach in Denver after a big trade with the Saints that included giving up a first and second round pick. Now, Payton's a Super Bowl winner, but he's joining a Broncos team that finished just 5-12 this season and missed the playoffs the last seven years. Let's come on, Cam. Russell Wilson, he was supposed to be the savior for the Denver Broncos. If the Broncos have a great quarterback, they do great. They had Peyton Manning, they did great. They had John Elway, they did great. Outside of having a great quarterback, they don't do so great. Well... Russell Wilson was supposed to be the Peyton Manning 
was supposed to be the John Elway, and he wasn't at all. He was bad. So in comes Sean Payton to the rescue, hopefully to the rescue, because Russell Wilson desperately needs fixing. But not just Russ, Dave. The entirety of the Denver Broncos missed the playoffs the last seven seasons. You don't trade a first-round pick for a coach. It's just not something that happens. You don't trade a first- or second-round pick for a coach unless that coach can fix everything. Better be a great coach. Can Sean Payton fix the Broncos? Yeah, I think he can, but fix is a relative term. Like, what do you mean by fix? I think Sean Payton can turn the Broncos into a competitive team, a team that is in the playoff race. But then remember what we're talking about. I mean, we did a whole offseason about how loaded the AFC West was. Patrick Mahomes is still there. The Chargers made the playoffs this year. It's a division that sent two teams to the playoffs. And you're also still in the AFC. Joe Burrow's not going anywhere. Josh Allen's not going anywhere. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. But everybody would agree the balance of quarterback talent and therefore the balance of power in the NFL is in the AFC right now. Like winning that conference is not an easy thing to do. So I think it's a stretch to say Sean Payton can get the Broncos to that level at least quickly especially when you consider what they gave up. I mean, between the first and second round picks, those are premier assets that you no longer have. Like for at least the next year or two, what you see is what you have to work with for the most part. So yeah, I think Sean Payton can make Russell Wilson a more efficient, more valuable quarterback. I think he can turn their offense around. And and the beauty of it is you don't need to grow by leaps and bounds. They were dead last in the league in scoring. Even mediocre probably gets you up near eight or nine wins. So, yes, I think he can fix but them Dave, in that, is that sense. But, Dave, is that enough? Is that enough? You cover the NFL long enough. You cover the Dallas Cowboys. You know that if you have aspirations like championships, like the Denver Broncos, like the Dallas Cowboys, not to get sidetracked, it's not enough to be nine and, and, and seven, nine and eight. It's not enough to be win ten games. No, I agree. If you're the Broncos – you traded three firsts in totality and three second-round picks for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton to be able to duel with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. That's what you did it for. You didn't do it for fun. You didn't do it just because Walmart felt like spending their money and spending their picks. You did it to be able to duel with those two. So speak to me on, like, is what you are saying enough for the Broncos? In the totality, no. And, again, we talked about this in the summer you signed Russell Wilson for five, six years, right? We all said in August, you don't have to win a Super Bowl this year, but you need to contend and potentially win championships at some point over the life of this. I think that's the goal now. Like, when you've seen the depth of how bad it can be, now it's like, okay, <laughs> let's recoup this investment. And, yeah, after what the Broncos' new ownership had to watch, losing overtime games 12 to 9 or 9 to 6, whatever, one of the worst hey, football games ever. Now. Did yeah. we all watch that game together? We Torture. are not getting that time in our lives. We now. are not. Was that the game I think we watched together? Uh, Broncos-Colts? We, it was I a Thursday night I, game. I, I honestly blocked the game out. Ugh, it was bad. It was the bad. experience also, and fellowship was lovely, but the game was, <laughs> was bad, I don't want to. Like, str- <laughs> tell me if you remember this. I forgot, and it only happened a month ago. 51 to 14 at the hands of a sorry Rams team on Christmas. See, that's, yes, you need to win Super Bowls. No, nine and eight, eight and nine is not good enough. But you got to start somewhere after what the Broncos went through. I think that's the goal for now. In a year, two years, three years, when, when this trade era is behind you and you've got picks again and you've got a little more cap space, yes, eventually we will judge the Broncos on whether or not Russ and Sean Payton can deliver a championship. But, yes, right now, the owners of the Broncos would be thrilled with a winning season, happy fans, a full stadium. All of that stuff matters, yes. Joy, can Sean Payton fix the Broncos? 
Yeah, I think he will. I think he can. And I think he is actually the future of the Broncos. I don't think that Russell Wilson is. Uh, we've seen how bad Russ can be. And as I said earlier, we now know Russ needs a high-level coach in order to be successful. That's what this year showed us. We're not sure if it was Nathaniel Hackett, but we're going to find out now because we are sure of what Sean Payton is. This is what Sean Payton is. Over the last 30 seasons, he is 152-89 and 89 with the New Orleans Saints. Without Sean Payton, the Saints are 99-142. and 142. He had nine playoff seasons. He has the highest points per game of any coach in NFL history that's coached a minimum of 50 games. That's more than McVay, Belichick, Andy Reid, Lombardi, Bill Walsh, Kyle Shanahan. Since 2006, no coach has seen more than, more than as many as 10 uh, five total offenses than Sean Payton. So he has the top five total offenses in the league since 2006 is 10. Andy Reid is eight. This is somebody who fixes offenses. This is somebody who transformed the Saints from a team that nobody talked about, the Aints, whose, whose fans would show up to the games paper with bags. paper bags over their heads, into an organization that we still talk about with respect, and we don't know what direction they're going in right now. That was the product of Sean Payton, and the Denver Broncos are not the Aints. The Denver Broncos are an organization that has won Super Bowls, that understands excellence, that has standards, that has – that has fans, a fan base that expects to win. So she, he's not even going in having to transform that side of things. And they got money. They got money, money. So everything on that side of it is already solved. So he just needs to come in and fix the football part, which we know he can do. Yeah. Sean Payton, can you fix him? I think so. I mean, this team doesn't need a lot of fixing, right? Like, their defense is legit. They got some dogs on the defense. I mean, they finished seventh in defense last year, right? And – Imagine being a team on defense that your offense gives you nothing, like no points. So they need points. And who do they go get? They go get Sean Payton, a quarterback that was, had a, has been successful his whole career, comes to the Broncos <laughs> with a big, big payday mm-hmm. and hasn't performed. So I think he definitely can fix that. I think – remember those days where, like, we come in the training room and, like, we say, you know, Doc, my body's not feeling good. I'm not running as fast. And they call it adjustments. Yep. They get on your leg and they, they hank it and – so, yeah, I think they just do the small things, get Russ back on track, let Sean Payton be Sean Payton, right, with Joey talked about his stats, what he's done over his course of his career, and, and, and let the defense play like they've been playing all year, and they'll be fine. Well, it has been a crazy week of football news. Sean Payton to the Broncos, D'Amico Ryans to the Texans, Tom Brady retires. All that information had this hidden, what the Cowboys had to say about Dak Prescott. It was shocking. It literally shocking. When we return, we got to weigh in on this. You'll be surprised. Next. Okay, we got to head to Dallas because this news was hidden in the craziness of the day. Steven Jones, Cowboys exec, said this. Shady, prepare yourself. Take this information sitting down. The Cowboys are committed to Dak Prescott long term. And get this. They're open to extending his contract. Shady, you're shaking your head. Man. Well, hey, whatever. <laughs> at, this, at this point, it's like, whatever. We don't want to fix the problem. Whatever, cool. I'm down with it. I'm an Eagle fan, so I'm down with that. Sign them back up. Please, hurry up. Give him $100 million more. <laughs> just, just whatever. Yeah. We, you don't we, think he deserves, like, an extension? I mean, wh- why? Like, why would you extend Dak Prescott? Have the number one offense when he was there? Cool. What else? When they, when they needed you most, you didn't show up. Let's talk about the Niners game. Let's talk about that game. Right now, you lose some year before that, but I guess at home. But we'll, we'll, we'll just won't talk about that one. Let's talk about recent. What happened? Everybody thought that this game would be a blowout. Yep. I did. I thought they was gonna blow them out. I'm talking about the Niners, but they didn't. Defense did their part. 
CeeDee Lamb did his part. For the most part, pa, uh, Pollard did, he did solid. But Dak, you're the one that lost the game. If you, don't, if you don't play as bad as you did, I think the Cowboys win that game. Can I play devil's advocate? Allow me to. Right. Uh, devil does not need an advocate, but for the sake of this conversation. Um, Aaron Rodgers' final game of the season. He played bad, came up short. Joe Burrow's final game of the season. He played bad, he came up short. Josh Allen's final game of the season. Some would say he played bad. He Watch de- this, Joy. But he definitely didn't play good enough. Come came on. up short. Come on, short. Keep it coming. Justin Herbert's final game of the season. Yeah. He went, let the other opponent team go like 27 points unanswered. Mm-hmm. Played bad, came mm-hmm. up short. Brock Purdy's final game of the season, he got hurt. I mean, only one yeah. of the 14 playoff quarterbacks feels good at the end of the year? You, you know, well, well at least like only two of them. And you can maybe argue Justin Herbert didn't play bad. He still okay. lost and play bad. Okay. So I would say that like three of the playoff quarterbacks, because Daniel Jones not only came up short, played bad. So it's not just coming up short, but it's playing bad. I would say maybe three, maybe four, if you include Tyler Huntley. But every, that, that Prescott fell in line. The difference is this. Every time that the Dallas Cowboys lose in big moments, it's always his fault. That's the difference. A game or two, cool. Every time it's him losing the game. Like, okay, Burrow. Burrow lost to, to, to the Chiefs. He didn't go out there and win the game. They lost. Mm-hmm. But Dak Prescott is losing these games. You see the difference? Yep. You can't go out there and throw all these picks and expect to win in the playoffs. That's the difference. Also, Josh Allen's been to an AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Burrow's been to a Super Bowl, mm. played well enough in the Super Bowl. Who else did you list? Those are the two that really, badly. yeah. That's, right. that's, that's, those are the two. He that named Huntley. I didn't know why I did yeah, that. Did he named the rookie. Dak past the second round of the playoffs. Uh, now, look, contractually, as far as the – and Dave's going to talk about this, so I'm going to jump ahead of him. <laughs> as far as the cap goes, this is going to make sense. So it's not necessarily that you're extending him because you want to keep him for the long term. It's because you want to be able to put other pieces around him in the short term because you do have him under contract you got to spread this money out. So from a, from a business perspective, this makes sense. But, look, I've been a huge Dak defender for years. I thought I should have been paid when he got paid. I think he is the perfect Dallas Cowboys quarterback. I think he does a great job with that job, which I think is different than any other being the quarterback of any other team in the NFL. But he has fallen short in the biggest moments, and I don't believe that this – I mean, I don't think the Cowboys are going to win at all ever in, in the current state that they're in. But I, I don't – Dak can't win the big game. Can, can I ask Joe, before you go ask me one question? When we look at the Dallas Cowboys offense, what position do you think holds them back from winning the championship? That's I mean, you easy, can't, you that's, can't argue that it's not Dak. No, you that's could all argue I'm that saying. He, he needs more around him. second most effective receiver joined the team at Christmas. His name's T.Y. Hilton. Just you you can argue out. that he needs more around him, yes, but he did have a Pro Bowl running back sure. and an yeah. all-pro receiver. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot. Solid, solid offensive line. Not the Top most, but it's a in. lot. And, Top five and, tight and end. the other side Come of the on. ball needs, needs very little improvement. The other side of the ball did what they needed to do in the biggest moment. How much more you need, Dave? I, I, this is boring. This is boring. Oh, what's I don't, interesting? I don't care about that. If the Cowboys were to actually do this, and by the way, this is empty platitudes in February. You know, let's see what happens. It took them two years to sign Dak after they knew they needed to. <laughs> they could have gotten Dak locked in at $32 million a year. Maybe they would have put a better team around him instead of paying right. him 40 
and losing him in a franchise tag season. This would be the smartest thing the Cowboys could do if they are serious about improving their lot in life. Because Dak Prescott currently has a cap hit of $49 million. It's the second highest in the league. The cap came out uh, for 2023. It's $225 million. So I'm not great at math, but that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% of your cap. Going toward a player that we all agree is not good enough to carry a team. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's never going to get to a Super Bowl with a team where he is clearly the best thing going about it. He needs to be part of a great team. Y'all can throw all that stuff at me if you want to. First of all, Tony Pollard started the year as a backup. So cool. That Why does that matter? That no, tells why does that matter? Why does that matter? Let me Why does that matter? You always cut me off. Like you throw this Pro Bowl stuff out here as if you can't look at this thing and say, okay, the receiving core is clearly lacking. They sent a Pro Bowl receiver away in the offseason. They did not get franchise tag production out of Dalton Schultz this year. They're starting running back was nowhere near as good as the guy that went to the Pro Bowl ultimately. Dak Prescott needs more help. And what is the best way to do that? To lower his cap hit so that you can get better players around him. This isn't a reward for being the best. See, that's that's what people always do, and it's so infuriating. Like, oh, he gets the new tag, so that means he's the best. No, it means he's the next. And by the way, it's only been two years since Dak signed this contract. And he's barely top 10 in salary as it is right now. He's right where he's supposed to be after we, oh, we run our hands for two years about Dak making $40 million. And now there's like nine guys making more money than him. Call Pollard back. It's He was. That's not even controversial. He was. Tony Pollard's future is in doubt because of how much money the Cowboys have to figure out what to do with Ezekiel Elliott. Is it safe to say that Tony Pollard's one or two the best Player or best offensive player in the team? We're, u- we're using a straw man here to get away from my correct point, which is that lowering Dak's cap hit allows you to keep Tony Pollard in Dallas, by the way. They got to come up with $10 million What's to tag this guy or they, sign him long term. Isn't it kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to call Dak the enemy, but isn't it kind of like flirting with trouble? Like, at the end of the day, elongating the Cowboys' relationship with Dak Regardless of what else you do, wherever else you do it, I don't know if elongating your relationship with Dak is actually a benefit. Because if Dak Prescott is the problem, which several people at this desk, a few people at this desk believe, if Dak is a problem, is elongating that relationship a solution regardless of what it does monetarily? Here are the options. Here, we're speaking, again, I don't care about how you rank quarterbacks. It's boring. It's boring. What are your options? You can restructure Dak, which they would have to do this year to even be able to afford to function. And then his cap, gets, his cap hit gets bigger. So now it gets harder to put a, put a good team around him. So you can restructure him and sign up for having the same roster or worse for the duration of his contract. Or you, you can just let this thing play out and definitely have a worse team this year and therefore not do any better than you did this year. And then you're thinking, well, we're picking 26th in the draft. How do we get a better quarterback? Because you got to get pretty high up there to get your C.J. Strouds and your Bryce Youngs. Like, those guys aren't falling to you. So you got to do something crazy there. Or you can extend your quarterback who is among the 10 to 12 best in the league lower his cap hit, and give you a better chance to put talent around him for the next three to four years. He's only he's not even 30 yet. He turns 30 during training camp. What are the odds that you are going to find a better quarterback than Dak Prescott without doing something crazy 
to mortgage your future I guess for if it. You're, if you're a Cowboys fan, though, and you're at home, or just a fan of football, you're looking at the teams in the Super Bowl this year, and I don't think it's coincidence. Maybe you do. Um, I don't think it's coincidence. Maybe you do. They're led by all pros. First team, first team. Look at the teams in the Super Bowl last year, led by Matthew Stafford, who's a French Hall of Famer, and Joe Burrow. Super Bowl the year before, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. I just don't know if Dak, regardless of who's oh, around you know, him. You know. You're right. Matthew it's Stafford's career accomplishments as a much higher draft pick were basically identical to Dak Prescott's before he got traded to a team that loaded talent around him. Well, let's not act like Matthew Stafford carried that Rams team but the, but to a there, Super Bowl. But there is a, we, all, we all kind of universally agree that Matthew Stafford was extremely talented. I got to get a break. 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 Coming up, we got some fit. No, coming up, we'll come right back to this conversation, actually. Y'all don't go anywhere. Dave, you'll get your final thought in. What's next? So Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott are not close. Shady, the floor is yours. Real quick about Dak Prescott, Dave Hillman. What's up? Do you think that Dak has enough talent around him? Not right now, no. So when you watch the game against the Niners, they should have won that game, right? With he the same first hit. If he plays solid, they could win that game. Good. So he don't need he don't need more talent around him. He needs you to be real to him and tell him that it's his fault. Realize that was the division. Play better, round. baby. Play better. The divisional round. Like even if he plays better and they win that game, they got to win two more. They got to be. If you, if you play well against the Niners, sure. He played well against anybody. He played. He played a bad. Game. We don't have time for this. We, I, I, <laughs> as you make this, he needs. What are the What are the options? I'm telling you, re-signing the man is the best option. He don't keep it real with his teammates. Only anything.